morning, everyone. Good morning and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche School podcast, the podcast where Steve and I chat about all things Porsche. It's, uh, what day is it, Steve? It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday, but this is, we're recording this on a Wednesday. Hi, Steve. Hi, mate. How you I'm okay. I'm okay. Once again, it's morning, it's 6.54. It's actually not as early this morning. Um, we record this on a Wednesday. It's Friday's episode. You guys are listening to it on Friday. I know a lot of you guys listen to it on a Saturday. Um, I'm in Bahrain. My name is Michael Bath, and Steve is still in Sydney. Steve is in lockdown. He's going a little bit stir crazy. I'm aren't not you, going Steve? anywhere. Yep. I sure am. I'm sure everyone else in probably most of Australia probably feels the same way. But I don't know. What are, what are we up to? Week eight or something? And it's not going to end. Isn't it over at the end of this month? End of August? No. It's not. I just read a headline um, where the headline was nobody's complying with the lockdown rules and the number went to 600 and something and the previous highs was 480 something. Wow. That's getting up. That's a problem, isn't it? It just escalates so quickly. I mean, here in Bahrain. People are getting tired. Yeah. Here in Bahrain, the numbers went up a lot when we weren't here. That numbers went. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we always start the podcast. We the last few weeks we've always been starting with COVID talk. It's very weird, COVID. but I guess you have yeah. to because it's it, it. It. I guess what I, I get annoyed about. I get annoyed about the fact that it hasn't gone away, and it feels like mm. governments are trying to tell you that it has gone away and everything's okay. I I just get that feeling, and like I said, when I travelled last week back to Bahrain, um, even yeah. in the UK, you know, like the airports are dead. You know, no one's travelling. You know, there's yep. still events happening. I don't know what's going on in the world. I mean, just cancel all these events. They're irrelevant. You know, I'm sorry, but Olympics, Expo, yeah. what we're doing, everything, it's irrelevant. It doesn't mean anything. You know, it's not important. There's more important things to do to spend money on than spend hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars on on a country marketing event. You know what I mean? Like, it's just crazy. Get people vaccinated. Yeah, get people vaccinated instead. Exactly. What was I saying? Oh, so one thing here, though, Steve, um, which I didn't realize, I was going to say about the numbers, how they escalate so quickly. When we we were in the UK, when we were in London, Bahrain actually was really bad. The numbers have gone way back down. But at the moment, you cannot go into anywhere without showing your vaccine uh, vaccinated passport on your phone, on your app, on your Be Aware app, which is the Bahrain app, which all residents have. I'm a resident of Bahrain. Um, yep. So literally, I I didn't even realize. So everywhere you go, you have to show your um, you have to show your yeah. vaccinated passport. Yeah, and I don't really understand what's going to happen here. Um, I'm assuming there's going to be a bit of a backlash because people feel like it's an infringement of their civil liberties and stuff like that. But I think it's pretty inevitable that um, regardless of your views, we're all going to be coaxed into this sort of thing of you need a vaccine to do something. And like, I'll say it like I personally see the logic in it and I'm completely fine with it, but I actually know that there are people out there that don't agree with that. Mm, but I think mm. they're going to be coerced into it. Look, I, I, I always say this and I'll say it again. Bahrain has done a really good job with this app. It works really well. And I don't understand why Australia doesn't have something that works as well. Um, I don't know about <laughs> other countries. No, seriously, I don't know about other about. countries. But it works yeah. so well. Your, your passport's there, it's got a big shield, it's a certain colour, you show it. When you do your test, you book your test in. Like when we arrived, we had to book our test at the airport, you book it on the app, you pay on the app, it's easy. Then in 10 days after we land, we have to do another test, a PCR test, which is on Friday, this Friday we have to do it. You book it on the app, then, then a message comes through and says, you know, you've got your booking. 
and then mm-hmm. it gives you the directions in the message. You know, it's just it's just so easy. You know what I mean? If you make it easy for people, you make it easy for people. Um, I'm not going to okay. bang on about it, but it's not um, the technology, the way the governments use the technology and the communications and the various websites that you get your information from and everything. It's not a seamless thing. It's not very well kind of coordinated. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, let's start with the usual uh, Porsche cooled owner stories. Uh, Porsche cooled owner stories this week. Um, I had, I had uh, Matt, and Matt was in. Uh, Matt's coming in from was coming in from Victoria. Um, did you listen to it, Steve? Did you get a chance? I did. Matt's got a really. I think his nine nine six was pretty special. Um, it was a car that was delivered to uh, Porsche Melbourne. I think he said it was a it was a dealer car. Um, it was yeah. obviously at the time spec'd to be a little bit like a um, GT3 because it has the aero kit. It has the X51. Yeah, showing, off, um, showing off all the options that you could potentially um, kind of get for a 996. Yeah, because this was 1999, right? It was a 1990. Mm. It's got a 1999 996 Carrera 2. For people who haven't listened to it, you should listen to it if you haven't already. The, the owner stories this week. Uh, it's manual. It's got the X51 option. It's in Arena Red. Um, I don't know how many Arena Red 996s there are, but I don't think there's very many. And Arena Red is the... Remember um, Jethro Bothingdon's... Remember, he, that's on the same colour as his. Oh, is it? And he has an aero kit on it as well. Yep. Ah. But that was the 993 Hero colour, right? The 993 Turbo Hero colour, right? Turbo Hero, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's a nice-looking car. I mean, you, he uh, Matt just changed the wheels over. When I was talking to him, his car was in uh, Melbourne. He's outside of Melbourne and his car was in Melbourne um, and he was getting it detailed. He sent me a picture before he posted on his Instagram and, you know, I thought he did it himself, but it looked, he had it, you know, paint corrected and detailed and it looked, the, the paint on that car looks pretty amazing. Like it looks in really, really mm. good condition if you look at his Instagram. Um, yep. And I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. I mean, he hasn't, this is his first 911. I mean, he has the Renaults, the Renault, the Renault, uh, what is it, RS Renault 250 Sport. Cup, Renault Sport 250 Cup, and a yep. RS, I didn't write this down, 197, I think it was, 197 uh, Renault. What do you think of Renaults? Do you like them, those Renault Sports? I don't know much about them, to be honest, Like, and I don't really know. My cousin with the M3, who I reference a bit, um, he had a, which one did he have? I think he had a Megan Trophy. Um, which I don't think I actually ever saw it. I never had a go in it or never rode in it kind of thing, but um, I know he loved it to bits. I don't know. I just, I, I really actually don't know much about um, Renaults at all, apart from, I guess they're a lot more common in the UK. And then when you read like Evo magazine and those types of journalists always used to rave about them, um, you know, they yeah. always sort of said um, in terms of handling and being a sort of really kind of cool performance car that they were brilliant. Yeah, but, they're a good driver's um, car, aren't they? I, I, I was the same. Yeah. I don't know much about them. I remember in 2000 and, oh, 2011, I remember every time I went to Centennial Park in Sydney, I was going there to run. Yeah. I don't know why I was going there to run. It was when I first started running. And I, I remember every morning I'd go there, there'd be the same guy parked in the same spot because I'd always park in the same spot and he would always be parked in around mm-hmm. the same spot. And it was a, the new one at the time, the Magan. Um, and I always thought it looked really cool when he had the door open, you know, you could see the seats, it had nice seats in there and it was kind of appealing. Yeah. I mean, Matt really enjoys them. He says they're great on the roads where he lives. I think he's doing the, yeah. um, the 197, he's, he's doing up to more of a track focus sort of car. 
Um, and he mentioned a company in the UK, which I can't remember. And it's probably going back to your point, actually. You said how they're popular in the UK. There's a place that does all the performance yeah. parts for the for the Renaults yeah. in the UK, um, just to make it that little bit um, little bit more special. Oh, I can't remember which one. Was it the, the Clio? The Clio Trophy was like one of the originals. And I know like a, one of the journos um, in the UK sort of bangs on about it all the time. But then they had those kind of crazy ones where they shoved a v6 um in the um the middle of it so it was effectively a mid-engine car they're supposed to be kind of pretty bonkers so like the, they're not they're not afraid to kind of do something different and a little bit sort of special which makes it you know um very appealing for like a car person and is it yeah i mean exactly and is it a little bit more special and, and i think matt mentioned it how they're not making these anymore mm. You know how the how that sort of Renault yeah. Sport doesn't exist because it's been replaced by Alpine, right? Alpine, Alpine. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So these cars will become, and they're still pretty cheap. If you look online, they're high kilometers though. If you look online for say the RS250 Cup, they're not that expensive. Mm. I mean, are they a good alternative for someone that wants like a a second car to their 911, a second sort of driver's car? Um, Could be. I've never. Um I don't know, like, I, and I've got no foundation for this, but I always just assumed that, um, like, generally French cars, um, in terms of their kind of quality control, is not um, particularly good. So I'm not sure if that would bug me. Citroëns and Renaults are not known for their quality inside, are they? The cheap plastics Peugeot's. and stuff and Peugeots, yeah. And I had that Peugeot, and my Peugeot wasn't great. Um, that I, 206 um, or whatever yeah, I had. I once... Yeah, we had somebody, an agency that I worked for, we worked on the Peugeot account for a very short amount of time and one of the suits bought a 206 and I heard that it literally went up in smoke one day <laughs> as in the the engine bay caught fire and the whole thing burnt to the ground. My 206 experience, my Peugeot 206 experience, I don't know whether I've spoken about it before yeah. and I don't know if you remember, you probably don't remember this because it was probably too early no. in our friendship. Um I remember you had it. And I bought it and I bought it. It literally just came out. I saw it, I think, in a newspaper, believe it or not. But it literally just came out. And this must have been, was it uh, 99? I think it was a 99 model or a 2000 model. First of the new 206s, it came out. I literally secured the first one. And then after that, they were quite hard to come by. Um, But I had so many issues with it. I think I owned that car for, and I bought it new. And I think I owned it for four months maybe six months and then it just got so bad the air conditioning made this like noise and then there was other quality issues and one day we were just driving in, in our tarmac in sydney and we were driving past audi and i said to tasha i said let's go and mm. look at the a3 so we drove into audi and then they had that mm. a3 in there and literally i bought it on the spot i didn't even like a haggle mm. or anything i said yeah okay if you can change the seats i'll take it and it was just like done. Get me out of this yeah, French thing. How much can you get? Me, how much will you give me for the Peugeot? And they gave me a really good price. I didn't lose that yeah. much money because people wanted them because they couldn't get deliveries of them at the time. So I only oh, okay. lost. I think at the time I lost like three grand. I think I paid right. twenty seven thousand dollars for that car. It was expensive, and I think I got out of it yeah. at like twenty three and a half or twenty two or maybe twenty two. Maybe I lost five grand, but it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. Um, at the time it does slight tangent but it does make you realize that um you kind of start to take it for granted when you drive a porsche for a while because the quality control is actually quite good right yes you just made me think of um 
somebody you know too, Dennis, yeah. who had that mini mini Cooper. Yeah. And he was tearing his hair out at the end of that experience and he literally got to the same point, which was like, this thing is costing me so much money in repairs. I just want you to buy the car off me and then I'm never going to see and talk to you ever again. Like went back to BMW Sydney yes. and did that. And then I like of somebody else that did that with a rangey, I think it was, a Range Rover, and you read um, things where people in, I think it was F-Type Jags. Yes. So just by comparison yeah, with us, like, you know, we're banging on about how much we love kind of Porsche and stuff, but then like the other end of this spectrum, like your potential car ownership experience is where you get so shitty that you just kind of go, just just pay me whatever you want to pay me and I just don't want to ever see this thing ever again. Yeah. <laughs> like I'd, I'd gone back to that Peugeot service center and the guy at the time who was helping yeah. me in Ataman, when it was in Ataman, he was so helpful. Like this is going back quite a few okay. years now. But they just couldn't fix the issues, the air conditioning issue and there was another issue. They just couldn't yeah. fix it. He said, I don't know. Basically it was like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was enough for me to go, you know, sorry. F this, I, I'm not <laughs> I'm not keeping this car anymore. Yeah. I said to Tasha, I remember I saying to Tasha, I went back and I said, this car's going, I'm not keeping it. She said, but you just bought it. I said, I'm not, I'm not keeping it. I'm not keeping it. And then I just had to, you know, and it was just driving past Audi and Atama when it used to be there on the big old Honda building. And it was like, yeah, okay, done. It's smart moving with the benefit of hindsight. Because yeah. like, just imagine the amount of frustration, like, like Dennis's experience. I think he went back to BMW Sydney like, three different times and each time like it first cost like you know i'm just making it up but it's roughly like oh it'll be three grand sir to kind of change this and then three months later oh it'll be another six grand sir to to change this and then it was like oh it's another 14 grand and his car's worth like 30 yeah i know the but the audi was just like a different world i remember it i remember first picking it up was like it was just a different world everything was just so much better and sure, it was a lot yeah, more money. Yeah. It was twice the price, but everything was just so much yeah, sure, better. Sure. But, you know, you, yeah. you're saying about cars and I'm at that frustration point at the moment. It's not a frustration point because mm. it's just a rental. But as you know, I've got... Ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so to everyone who's listening who who are going to fall over when I say this, I'm driving an MG and not like Ajmal at Flat Cap Drivers MG. I'm driving a new MG, you know, the ones that are made in China. And you know I have nothing against Chinese-made products or Chinese in general, but it's a Chinese-made product. <laughs> this car, how would I explain the MG? This is the MG SUV. I can't remember the designate, what, what the model is. Can I is. take a guess? It's a complete piece of steaming it's, shit. It's, <laughs> it's not – look, I understand if you're – it depends what you're coming from. It depends what you're coming from. Sure. And I think, you know, we're at a certain level that it's hard for me to appreciate it. Yep. And I know this. I have spoken to people in Bahrain who said they were going to buy one, and and obviously people do appreciate it. And Natasha's father was yeah, right. going to buy one because someone told him it was good and it was a really cheap, good price. Uh, it's a good price right. for a reason, um, and I don't think they're that cheap. It drives okay. It just doesn't have the engines loud. Um, the first one we had had no power. I'd literally put my foot. We had a silver one for a day. Um, mm-hmm. And literally I sent it back because it had no air conditioning. But when we had it for that day, it also had no power. It had 50,000 kilometers. Mm-hmm. The one we got downstairs has got 25,000 kilometers. 
Um, and it's in my favorite mm-hmm. color one downstairs in red as well, just to make things even better. <laughs> um, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But this one's got leather and this one's more well optioned. It's got alloys, so it looks a bit better if that makes any difference. But the first one, Steve, literally I put my foot down at the main intersection here and people drive very fast here, right? Mm-hmm. I reckon there was a 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 lag and then I put my foot flat to the floor and then it would try to move. It was literally that much lag mm-hmm. in, in the power. And it was like that Mm -hmm. first day I had to drive around a bit. It was just driving me crazy. So then the second one came the next day. They brought the second one around to the flat here. Is it better? It's better. It's obviously more well-appointed. It's got the first one didn't have parking sensors or rear vision camera. And it's got a really bad blind spot because of the shape of the back of that car. It's got a really terrible blind Mm -hmm. spot um, on that back pillar. Mm -hmm. Um, You cannot see. So this one has the rear vision camera, which is really good quality. I have to admit, it's a very good quality. But, you know, for me, mm-hmm. if I was looking at a price point, I would, I would skip the MG. Um, I would skip the MG because, honestly, even though that Merc, the ML, was, what, in mm-hmm. 2012 or whatever model it was, I can't even remember, the Merc that's gone, mm-hmm. I'd rather have that. I'd rather have that older <laughs> car, even with the old navigation and whatever and the old... I'd rather have that because, I don't know, it's just got little things, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just got the little things, it just feels, it's just everything about it, Steve, it just feels better, you know what I mean? Um, Mm. I don't know, I don't know. I mean, your SUV, you know, know, Cindy's Macan is fine, Macan's are great, and you can see why Macan's do so well. And I know certain people have Mm. a budget, and I'm not trying to be a snob here, certain people have a budget, and you've got to fit it into that budget. And maybe it's a good car for those little runaround cars, but I think power delivery is terrible. I don't know what the engine of this MG is. I know it comes in a 1.3 and a 1, or 1.5 and a 1 liter. Apparently the <laughs> there, 1 liter... That, apparently, that could be your problem. <laughs> yeah, but apparently the 1 liter, Steve, is better than the 1.5. I have a funny Has feeling... it got like a turbocharger uh, and it a must, supercharger it on must, or something? It must, it must. Yeah. I don't know what this is because there's nothing on the back to say what it is. It just has – this one has MG and at the back it has Morris whatever written on the back as well in big letters. Like it's mm. a bit crazy. I'll take a photo of it and put it on my Instagram. It's such a shame what they've done to that brand. Yeah, thing. I don't like, understand. Think about how uh, how revered like that little octagonal MG logo kind of was and everybody used to kind of – Americans particularly. Was it like post-war? Yeah. You know, it's kind of like the classic kind of thing, um, sports car. And now what? Like, it's these sort of Chinese-made SUVs. It's just pitiful. so sad. It is. I remember a friend of mine, and this is going back a long time, um, Debbie, uh, who married a friend of mine, Kemsley, who's Troy's brother, as you know. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. Debbie had an MG. She had a white one. And I can't remember the little Mm -hmm. ones, the really original old ones. And I remember yeah, going yeah. for a drive in that car with her, and it was such a fun car. It used to break down like all the yeah. time, but it was such a fun car to be in. And that's my memory of MG, yeah. right? Open top, yeah. little sports car, you know, raw. And then you go in this, and it's like, why didn't they just try to do something special? You know, they just made it into this mainstream, yeah, and then the sedan and everything. Anyway, that's what I'm driving. Um, you know, we become, I guess we become Porsche snobs. Don't we? I hate to say it. We become German, German car snobs a little bit. We get used to a quality. You get used to a certain lifestyle, as they say. You get used to a certain quality, Steve, and you can't really change. You agree? That's scary. That's very scary. That's why we have to spend um, so much money. Yeah, I think I've said that. 
I think I've said as much before, which was basically um, particularly like the GT3 sport me so badly that I'd just get into any other car and um, it just doesn't feel particularly kind of interesting or exciting or whatever. I just can't. Yeah. It's, it's bad. Yeah, it is bad. It is bad. But you told me that once I get into a Porsche, I won't look at anything else. And I think I have to say it's mm-hmm. it's kind of true. It's, although I do appreciate the cars like, you know, the Renault Sports and, and you know, the BMs. You know, I was listening to a really good podcast. I just want to go back to owner yep. stories, actually. So don't, don't uh, just to tell the listeners, don't make sure you listen to Matt's story. He's got a good story. He's a really nice guy. I really enjoyed chatting with him. Uh, like I said, he's in Victoria. Any of you Victorians there, reach out to him. Um, on Instagram, he's at md. Actually, it's not MD996. If you search MD996, I think it's at MD99647, MD99647. So go and have a look at his Instagram. Have a look at his 996. Um, I think he's got a special one. I think if he holds on to that one, it's going to be quite a rare one, especially it's got that X51 power option, Steve, mm-hmm. which makes a big difference. Yep. Yeah, but, um, you know, the MG, I mean, I wish it had a bit more power, Steve, because driving in Bahrain, you need more power. Um, you really do need it to get away <laughs> You know, I've, I've had to get myself back in the frame of mind of driving as well um, and people uh-huh. not indicating and how people, not the people that are rude in Bahrain, how they drive, but it's a different way of driving here in the Middle East. So I just mm-hmm. have to get back into the frame of mind because I haven't driven for six months or five months or whatever it is. So I have to get back in the frame of mind of yeah. driving again. Um, but I have to say, I like having the flexibility of being able to drive. It's nice. Even though it's not a Porsche, I do like just driving. It's kind of like, you know. Make sure realize that you can still drive and you haven't lost the skills. You know what I mean? It's been so long. Look, actually, sorry, a slight segue into something different too. I've been having chats with um, Marco, cousin Marco, with his 996 Turbo. Um, and because we're in lockdown in Sydney, like we're obviously nobody's kind of going anywhere. Um, uh, yes, like you're allowed within five kilometers of your home and all of that sort of stuff to kind of do the essential, the essentials. Um, so inevitably, like, you know, I, I take the GT3, I start it up and then kind of go around the block or go around in circles, um, basically just to kind of keep the battery going, keep the fluids running. Do you fang it? Like Do you fang it, as they say? No. <laughs> well, so this is the problem, right? And Marco, Marco kind of sent me a thing saying something similar the other day, which is like, man, doing laps in your car, like, is so frustrating. It is such a frustrating experience. Like um, you can't do anything. It's just like it really isn't like much much of an experience at all, which sounds really, really weird. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I wonder what what are people kind of doing to kind of um, get their car jollies. Good point, actually. It's very difficult. Uh, like unless you're kind of living, you know, on the old Pacific Highway or something like that. I don't know. You just can't do anything. It's a very strange um, sort of thing to kind of, uh, I think this sort of what Marco was saying, like you kind of get in your car and you obviously love the bits, you're sort of hankering to kind of, you know, get it warmed up and just rev it out and stuff. But um, it, it's almost like you can kind of get to like three-tenths of where you want to go. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah, I know it's frustrating. You're sort of feeling very held back. Yeah, because yeah. you can't do anything. And how long That's is it? Yeah, you can't go any, any, any long drives. It's not enough, is it? It really yeah. isn't enough. Just don't drive it at all. No. Just don't no, drive no, no. it. 
Hey, I want to get onto your car in a second, but let's um, let me just do a. Mm. Actually, there's Patreon. I just want to do the Patreon uh, shout out. Um, we need some more support on Patreon. Anyone that wants to come and join uh, Porsche Cooled, if they go to Patreon, which is uh, Patreon.com/slash Porsche Cooled, or you search Porsche Cooled on Patreon, you will find us. Um, you become a member of Porsche Cooled uh, from two to ten dollars per month, not per week, per month. Very cheap. Um, and it just helps us uh, keep talking and it helps support the podcast. I just want to do a shout out because last week I did a shout out for Jim who became a member of Patreon and me and my stupidity mm-hmm. didn't realize who Jim was. And I apologize, Jim. Jim sent me a message. Um, I should have known actually. I don't know what was wrong with me. Um, Jim is mm-hmm. uh, a Porsche owner who I've been chatting to on Instagram. He owns a 68 912. Uh, it's a really beautiful example. If you want to look at Jim's car, you can go to his Instagram. It's at, at left, Co- left Coast 912 at Left Coast 912 on Insta. Beautiful color. I'm not going to give the color away, but it's one of my favorite colors in the 912. So go over to uh, Jim's um, Insta and give him a follow because he's a he's a real Porsche guy. Yeah, cool. What else, Steve? Apple Apple reviews. We'll just get over these things, and I just want to get into the main crux of the uh, crux. How come I'm saying that? My friend used to say that that passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Apple reviews and ratings, no new Apple reviews and ratings. But as I always say, you know, you guys, because you have given us so many reviews, because we have like 123 or 124 or 120, I don't know, something like that in the 120s of the reviews on Apple reviews, it's pushed us right up the charts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really are, you know, every time a new episode comes up, comes out, Steve, it, it just jumps up there. I mean, the other day we were 36, I think I said, or 35 in the US. I think we were 10 or nine in Australia, which was high for Australia. Normally, we're not that high in Australia. Even though we have a lot of Australian fans, we're not that high. Um, So if you guys Mm -hmm. have some spare time on the weekend, just go to Apple Ratings and Reviews. Give us a star rating. If you have more time, just leave us a review. It really does help us get seen. Steve, what do you think? Let's get on to – I want to talk – firstly, I want to talk about the – I want to talk about the Gunther Works, actually, the 993 Speedster remastered by Gunther Works. And I know it's been all through Instagram and all through the press um, because it was just shown at Quail. I think it was Quail. Like, it's Monterey Car Week, so... Oh, Monterey. Yeah, Monterey. Like, everything. Yeah, I just... Quail's part of that, and so is Pebble Beach Concours, isn't it? I don't know. They're all part of that. Yeah. Monterey Car Week, you're correct. That's what it is. Now... I think this is a really important one for Gunther Works, and I think it was rumoured they were going to do it. I don't think it was a surprise. I think I did read about... They teased. They teased about it. They, they teased for a while. Yeah, yeah, so this Speedster that they've done, and they call it the 993 Speedster remastered by Gunther Works, um, and you've got to put it into, into context. The mm-hmm. 993 generation 911 Speedsters, Porsche just made two. One was for, was for the original 911 designer, uh, Bootsy, is that how you call it? Bootsy Porsche. Bootsy Porsche. And the yeah. other was commissioned yeah. by a very famous comedian, Jerry Seinfeld. So there's only two that were ever produced. And I think mm-hmm. that's really important that they've picked something that is so rare. And I want to get your thoughts on this, on a different, different angle on this from what most people are looking at it. Um, and they've done the Speedster. And they've obviously done a good job with the Speedster. They're making 25 of them. There's no price yet. They mm-hmm. haven't announced a price. It's obviously going to be in excess of 525,000 or 500,000 US because that's what the other, the other one is, the, the coupe. Um, it's naturally aspirated. I think it was 400 odd horsepower. Um, I think it's pretty light. Yeah. I think it's only like two and a half thousand pounds or 1,200 kilos, something like that. It's light in kilos. Yeah, it's very yeah. light. Um, obviously, it's carbon. Um, 
It's very stiff, apparently. Which is what they're known for because I um, can't remember the name of their parent company, but um, they're kind of carbon specialists. So. Yeah, so they've made it very stiff. They've done something with the humps at the back and the back seat to give it more rigidity, I read. Um, you know, they've integrated, you know, they've got that new carbon fiber steering wheel. It's got a carbon fiber dash. I mean, the seats look pretty cool. The seats remind me a little bit of a McLaren seat, though. I'm not sure. I like the seats, but they look yep. like that McLaren seat to me. Or they look a little bit yeah, reminiscent yeah. of Ferrari Daytona seats, is it? Or is it McLaren seat? It reminded me of something as soon as I saw it. Um, obviously, it's a four-liter engine, Rothsport, which is in Oregon. Um, yep. The G50 gearbox, which they've tweaked, I think, from memory. Um, I thought it was interesting, though, Steve, yep. a couple of things, and I want to ask your, your, your opinion on this in a second. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to read what they had up. I took this off the website because I thought this bit was quite interesting. A lower rake windscreen utilizes Porsche 964 speeds to glass, yep. stabilized with a Gunther Works developed carbon fiber frame cowl with steel reinforcement. Side windows are pulled from the 964 speeds to inventory, made it to frameless doors. Mm -hmm. Lightweight single skin bonnet is made more than 25% lighter from the Gunther Works coupe. Current double-sided coupe hood, so it's single-sided. Mm -hmm. The rear of the speedster incorporates a revised ducktail spoiler, ram air scoop, 3D printed exhaust tips. Other features includes uh, speedster Pacific billet aluminium side mirrors and streamlined aluminium lightweight door handles that replace the factory steel units. So it's aluminium, it's carbon yep. fiber. Now, yep. as I said, they pulled it from the 964 speedster in inventory. There's only two 964 speeds. Oh, no, there's only two 993 speedsters. Ah, right. 964, there were more. So they took it from yep. the 964. So what do you think? Yep. Firstly, what do you think of this this reimagined re car or whatever they call it? It's not reimagined, remastered. They call it remastered. Singer call it reimagined. What do you think of it yep. in the fact that they've done this car, which was only a car that, that existed in two, there was only two of them? What do you think of that first? And what do you think of how it looks? Yeah, well... I think it's only in name in terms of the kind of speedster thing. Like speedster is sort of like a, um, how do I put it? Like kind of like Porsche descriptor for like um, a convertible that's a little bit racier because it's kind of got like a shortened windscreen and stuff like that. I'm assuming even though you've just sort of said they're taking like glass from a, um, a 964 speedster, et cetera. Like um, I think it's just sort of more like to kind of describe the fact that it's an open top you know, version of the coupe, the 25 um, coupes that they kind of did and now they're just doing 25 over the top versions of it. Um, it's pretty cool. It's different, right? Like um, uh, they, for whatever reason, they often get kind of compared to Singer, but it's quite a different sort of car. Like uh, I guess maybe it's the price point that's similar and the, the ethos of like, you know, kind of going through every single little kind of minute detail and then just sort of working on it. But um, they're nowhere near as kind of elegant. Like it's far racier and far more like a sort of modern day take on something rather than being super retro. Um, yeah. I don't, I really like this Speedster. I think they've done a really yeah. good job on it, right? I actually, I like yeah. it a lot. I actually don't even mind the color combination that they've shown it in. I think the color combination is quite good. Obviously, obviously the color co the colors you can choose, like Singer, um, would be endless. I'm not a big fan of the color of the interior, 
but at least you can see the deep. You can see, the, yeah, the green and the mustard sort of color. You can see the details. Yeah. You can see the details, right? I think I heard someone yeah. say, maybe it was Matt Farrer or someone like that, or Spike, or someone was saying that they didn't think it was, Gunther doesn't feel as custom a singer. In some ways, when I look at this. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I think they say that singer is a bit more custom, more, you know, more. More built parts, I think, instead of using other parts and just making them look special. I think I heard someone say that. Now I don't know how true it is, right? In some ways, I actually like Gunther Works better. Um, And this isn't just a new thing. I remember seeing Gunther Works and, and looking at these, you know, three, four years ago and thinking there was something about them that I don't mind. And obviously they look at Singer and they sort of, you know, they're, they're still inspired by Singer. You can still see it, right? Singer was around first. Um, but I like it. Mm, yeah. I like it. I do actually like it. The seats are a little bit too McLaren-ish for me. I, I don't know about those seats to me. They're, they're okay. Maybe they're in another color. You'd have to feel them. But I, I do like what they put into it. Um, I do like the, the side view of this car. Like that back glass looks really quite amazing. Or the black back hump, sorry, look quite amazing. And when you see the side view. Yeah. Um, and that windscreen is just... You know, it just—it's just such a great look. It really is. Um, it's funny because I think smoking tire, like Matt Farah, tends to always get his hands on a car, and you know, he does his one take videos. So I've sort of seen all of those, and I think he—I think I saw another thing where they interviewed the um, the owner of Gunther Works and stuff like that. So it gets a lot of press. Um, I think it's just different because it—it's obviously like a lot racier than a singer. Yeah. Um, it doesn't seem like it's as it sort of seems more like it's a track-oriented car than um, singers yeah. are. But um, I don't know. I'm going to take a wild guess that if you're in the market and you can afford to buy a singer and you can get on the list and you could probably put a Gunther next to it, um, and I, I don't think you'd necessarily be choosing between the two. Like, um, And I reckon they're probably kind of different enough, if you know what I mean. I think um, they are. The sort of vibe. Yeah, I think I yeah. think you're right. I think that if you if you're someone with lots of money where it doesn't matter, I think to have a singer and to have a Gunther works would actually be quite cool. You know what I mean? Mm. I don't think. I think, but but what about when the you engine? Follow on from what? What about um, the engine? Yeah, it's special. Special as which a is a better engine? Cooled. Which is a better engine though, the Singer or the Gunther? You think Gunther is Rothsport Motorsports or whatever? Singer is Williams? Weren't the original Singers Rothsports as well? Oh, were they? The the very very at the very very beginning, but they were were they three sixes or three eights? I can't remember. I think they might have been three eights, and then it wasn't until they kind of evolved to a four. I don't. Anyway, um, I'm sure they're equally kind of as good as each other sort of thing. Um, but when you watch the the video of Matt Farah driving through um, Angelou's Crest or whatever it is, um, that sounds amazing again. Like um, just, you know, like they're, they're different sort of engines yeah. because they don't rev as high as like, you know, a 9,000 RPM GT3, like a modern-day yeah. GT3, but it's still kind of got that um, amazing sort of howl to it. And I was always partial to like um, the look of a 993 and it's obviously kind of like a even more extreme sort of fat um, version of, I like how there are some styling elements where I remember, I can't remember the guy's last name, but um, the founder, um, Peter, somebody or other, he was sort of saying, if you look at the front from dead on, um, they took a lot of inspiration out of a Carrera GT and I never 
I never picked it and then I looked at it again. It's like, oh, oh yeah, right. there really yeah. is. So, like, there's, there is a lot of thought and craft in it. It's just not as obvious as, you know, like singers are obviously a little bit more kind of retro cool and um, uh, oh. probably have become what, like, people think is the best of, you know, like lots of generations of 911s kind of just merged into the one car. Um, whereas a 993 is sort of arguably just sort of like a 993 kind of taken to an extreme. Yeah. And I guess the state of the market shows that these two companies can exist. You know, people are buying oh, yeah. them. They've got orders that f- uh, are filling their books, which they can't deliver quickly enough. You know what I mean? And I yeah. think it's quite clever. Yeah. You know, one is based on the 964, one's based on the 993. So, you know, Gunther was quite yeah. clever in doing that just to differentiate because there is a lot of similarities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I think, you know, I guess... I don't know if you love a 964, do you buy the singer or is it not about that anymore? It's just about you like the singer or you like the Gunther works. You know what I mean? What, what makes you, what is the decision maker here in these cars? Is, is it the attraction to the 993, the 964, or is it just the attraction to singer as a brand? And obviously singer still has that more, you know, no, no, um, no offense to, um, Gunther works, but it kind of singer does have the more sort of elite status, doesn't it? A little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not because the Gunther's rare. Like if there's only 25 of the coupes yeah, and true. there's going to be 25 of these true. speedsters, um, you're less likely to kind of see another one. But I just, um, when you, Matt Farah's latest video where he sort of said they've tweaked, I remember the first two times he drove the other coupe, he sort of said like it's pretty kind of twitchy on the road because it's got like, um, it's a 285 section front tires which is like crazy wide um so i think he sort of said it tramlines and sort of follows the camber of the road kind of pretty aggressively um not for the faint-hearted but he sort of said like um the latest mods they kind of changed the suspension out i think to was it jrz coilovers and stuff like that sounds pretty good sounds sounds um yes. like very aggressive but it, it does sound like it's um an amazing thing to drive no i remember when matt farrah had it remember he had the car and then there was a period of time then he got the car back again because he thought it was a bit twitchy yeah. or something was not right with it and he told them and apparently they they yeah. changed a few things after he'd driven it and another journalist i think johnny liebman as well right johnny liebman driven it as well yeah, yeah, yeah. and i think they took the feedback i think johnny liebman's friends with the guy right spike and spike yeah yeah. And I think from memory, John Lillian was friends with the owner of the company, I think, or is it Matt Farrow, one of the two. But this just takes me on to the point. Yeah. I just want to like go, just sort of go on a tangent here. Have you listened to Smoking yeah. Tires podcast with Steve Dinan or Dinan? Uh, Dinan. Yeah, Dinan. Dinan. Have yeah. you listened to that? Uh, I haven't. No, okay. Maybe. Listen to it and we should talk about it next week. And I think the listeners should listen to it as well. Even if you hate Matt Farrow, listen to it. The guy is really knowledgeable. He says a lot of interesting things about different brands of coilover suspension, right? He mm-hmm. has a very interesting take on how he and, he, and he explains it very clearly, how he adjusts suspension. So his cars, he's always known for being, he's an engine builder, right? And he's done it for BMW racing and, and all these things in uh, Audi. Hmm? Yeah. You yeah, know, he has. Um, 
He's a beam, oh, not an engine, not just an engine builder. I think he's sort of. Um, but he also did the uh, really highly regarded for beamers, like in terms of suspension. And everything, yeah, everything. Yeah, no, no. Engine. But he calls himself an engine builder. But he's also known. For, he 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 prides himself in his suspension. The fact that you know cars can go over bumps and you don't feel it. You know, take it on the worst road, and his cars yeah. will always. And he gives a tips on how he does this, and he talks about Formula okay. One, and he talks about how how to get the best out of the suspension and how, you know, people lowering cars and making cars as stiff as possible is not the way to do it. Um, and yeah. all these things and how suspension coilovers are all pretty much the same. It doesn't really matter on the brand. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, it's okay. a really interesting episode. It's one of those episodes that I think everyone should listen to. Um, it's really, really good. Yeah, right. And the guy is so knowledgeable. And I don't really know much about him. Uh, I really don't know much about him. I haven't really heard that much about him. And I know you probably have, Steve, with BM and stuff. Um, and he's doing BMW M8s. I think he, he rocked up there in an M8 competition that he gets, you know, a 1,000 horsepower out of or something yeah, right. ridiculous like that. Um, yep. And he's done M2s, you know, with 700 horsepower or something. 700 horsepower in an M2. Yep. But it's, it's his talk yep. about suspension and it's his talk about – it's very, very interesting and I think everyone should listen to it. So – it's on Smoking Tire, it's Steve Dynan. Sorry, Steve Dynan. Yep. Yep. So Gunther Works, you, 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 know, you sell your crypto, you've got 700,000 US dollars. Will you buy one? <laughs> Will you buy one? Um, but yes. <laughs> yes. If, if, I was, if I was a rich man, yeah, I'd, I'd quite like the look of it. Um, whether it's a Cooper or a Speedster, I don't care. I guess the Speedster, um, you'd, uh, I'm assuming without a roof like the... Um, the experience I think is it, even more intense, so it'd be pretty cool. It makes it special, though, doesn't it? I think the Speedster is really special. It really is special in the Gunther. Um, I think yep. that's going to – obviously, they're going to sell out of the 25. Obviously, they're going to have a lot of more people who are going to be disappointed, yeah. obviously. Yep. They're pretty good in their marketing. Like, you, I, you get to see a lot of it, um, particularly the, the last week or – so with kind of Monterey, yeah. like I guess there's been quite a few different cars launched like that Lamborghini, Countach and all of that sort of stuff, but they kind of seem to get their fair share of yeah. um, press. So, the Countach. Um, they're doing we well. don't really talk about Lamborghini, but the Countach, I don't understand all the hate that it's getting. Um, I know Matt Farah has been pounding hate onto it. Um, Money yeah. grab, he's calling and it. And Johnny Lieberman as well. Forget, I'm forgetting about the history and I'm forgetting about all that side of it. When I look at it, I don't yep. think it's a bad looking car. I know it's not, it's based on something else and whatever. But when I look at it as a car, yeah, it's an when I look at it as a car, yep. there's, there's, you know, I think, I think the back is really well done. I think the back just harks yep. back to those 70s Countaches. You know what I mean? Um, yep. And yep. it's obviously based on the earlier Countach. It's not based on the 80s. It's based on the 70s ones, um, the slimmer yep. ones. But... I actually think they've done not a bad job. I mean, it's a crazy amount of money. They'll sell out of them. You know, it's not like they can't sell them. I don't. I don't hate it. I don't hate the look of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sort of on the fence. I don't mind it, kind of thing. I don't know. Uh, I I haven't read enough about what everybody's kind of saying, but I think everybody's just going. It's a bit cynical because it's a bit of a you know, sort of, you know, like in watches kind of thing, like you bring out a slight variation in the look of it and then all of a sudden you charge a massive premium, you sort of say that it's made in small yeah, numbers and, yeah. um, you know, everybody kind of wants one sort of thing, whereas true kind of specials like a four-litre, you know, 997 RS, 
has um, mechanical oily bits that make it special, not just the look of yep. it and not just the rarity yep, kind of true, thing. True, true. Um, we talk a lot about on the podcast, we talk about value, Steve. We talk about on owner stories, you know, I talk to a lot of people about how they inspect their car if they've got PPIs done, if they don't get PPIs done. I mean, we're a fan of the PPI. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched a video on YouTube mm-hmm. and I know you haven't watched it. And I watched this video primarily because... I wanted to know more about 914s. I don't know much about them. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I remember listening to Jerry Seinfeld on Spike and he's got the two liter and he's got the six cylinder one. Um, and yeah. he thought the two liter was the better one to buy. To him, the two liter mm-hmm. drives better. It's more fun. It's more of an experience. It's more engaging. Even though most people say get the six cylinder 914, even though it's very expensive now, it's like 100,000 US for a six cylinder one, I think, close to 100,000 US. Yeah, Um, and I was spurned on by this because I saw it come up in my email. Uh, They had a blue 914 at uh, Beverly Hills Car Club, and I think it was Mm -hmm. US dollars And it looked pretty clean, right? But I don't know what 914s are all about. I mean, obviously, you have to get a special, uh, you know, a proper inspection done if you're buying a car like that, especially 914s because they rust. They're Mm -hmm. like, you know, 356s. There's a lot of rust in them. There can be a lot of rust in them. So then I did a search on YouTube. I came up with this video, and I know you haven't watched it. And I just want to tell the listeners, it's, it's uh, Auto Atlanta. I think if you just do a search for Auto Atlanta, it will come up. And there's this guy called uh, mm-hmm. George Hussey, who they call Dr. 914. And I know some people probably already have heard of this, this dude. Um, and he takes a tour mm-hmm. of a round of 914 that they had for sale. They've now sold this car. Um, and he highlights all the, you know, the parts. He highlights things that have been changed, things that should be changed back on this car. If he, you know, if he said to make it more original, he should change this back. I mean, he goes into it in so mm-hmm. much depth. It's a long video. I think it's like 20, 30-minute video. It's a long video. Um, but it's yeah, right. interesting, and I think if you're into buying a classic Porsche or you're into classic cars, I think he's a bit over the top. In my opinion, I think it's a, some things are a little bit over the top of what he talks about. But I think it's very interesting mm-hmm. um, to look at. Like this one had a hood emblem, Steve. Someone to put a hood emblem. Mm. 914s never came with a hood emblem. Now, I didn't know oh, okay. that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't know that. And it, it kind of distressed him yep. that someone had drilled holes into the metal um, and put the hood emblem. Okay. He said, if you, you know, if you bought this car from us, I would suggest you take that hood emblem off and, you know, and get rid of it. Right. You know, um, and then he looks at the side, you know, that had vinyl on the side, not just the target top and... You know, you can see the paint coming through so you know it's original paint. And then he goes in about the hoses, how some mm-hmm. hoses have been changed and they should be changed back to the wrong hoses. Mm-hmm. So he gets really in-depth with it. Um, but I think it's a really interesting yeah, video right. and I just wanted to just um, mention it. Just, you know, I've already sent it to you, but I just think the listeners should take a listen. Have a watch of it as well. And like I said, it's Auto Atlanta. Um, it's just search 914. It normally comes up and his name's Dr. 914. His name is George Hussey. Um, they have a few videos on there actually of 914s. It's quite interesting. Sounds a bit um, Ferrari-esque. A little bit. You know, like when you watched um, TGE talk about like the provenance of like a proper test 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 or the one that's sort of been certified by the factory and all the things that you look out for and how, you know, like it shouldn't have this particular shield on the side and stuff like that. I guess I kind of get it. I mean, I noticed that. Uh, To a degree. Yeah. yeah. 328 GTSs. Now I see it i can't unsee it how many are for sale and they have the yellow shield on the side and the 328 gts never came Mm -hmm. with that shield and matt farrah pointed out when he bought his one and he took it off yeah and i think yeah 70 percent 80 percent of the 328 gts gts is for sale the 80s gts 
have the shield on the side yeah. and it never came with the shield. People just wanted to put it on, so they put it on. Um, I would take it off as well. Yeah. And also uh, I saw it on something else the other day too. I think I saw it on Dino. Someone put it on a Dino as well, on a GT4 Dino, which was just like, I don't know. But it's just sort of like, you know, like side decals on your 997, you know, like um, that car never came with that as an option or whatever else. Well, you kind of put it on because you sort of like it. Well, it's your car. You can do whatever the fuck you want with it yes. really, isn't it? Like, yes. So, and, it, and it's this fine line, isn't it? It's, it's this fine line. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, send you a, I'll send you a DM I got yesterday. Um, about someone that wants to come mm. on the podcast. I'm not going to give it away here, but it's it's a similar thing. This it's, mm. it's about these people building a kit. They're going to build this kit. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll send it to you because I think it's quite interesting. I don't want to talk about it because I, I will be actually having it on a podcast episode. Um, yeah, sure. But I will sure. send it to you. And it's it's kind of that same thing, you know, like I like those Beck Speedsters. I like the Beck Spiders, right? That that company that does those recreations. And I know Hoovy, who you hate, mm-hmm. that Hoovy's Garage has got the Beck Spider. No, no, I don't. I don't know enough but about it. I um, I quite like them. You can't get them registered in Australia. Um, you can't get them registered at all. Right. But I, I still think they're quite an interesting car, even though they're not a Porsche. I know they're a replica, but I think they're quite an interesting car. Yep. Um, replicas. No, I think the point was just going to be more that um, what was we talked about it before again. But what's nice about sort of like Porsche culture is that there's a bit more latitude to to mess with your car like and the way that you were sort of describing that video and the guy Mm. that was kind of going through it like obviously it was probably more for like you know proper kind of collector cars with a bit of a ferrari kind of mindset it's like it's a little bit is that a bit too kind of rigid and you don't well think about this steve that's a 50 year old car right Mm. think about when our cars are 50 year old and nothing's been taken off them none of the mods i mean you've got more mods than me Yep. You know, someone goes, okay, that knob yep. is not original. I'd, I'd put the original knob back yeah, on. Yeah, Those yeah. wheels, they should be silver. When it was brought out, they were silver. They were not this, yep. they were not two-tone. They never made two-tone. You know, it's yep. 50 years. Time has passed. People don't even know what a 997 is anymore. You know, a lot of people. Yeah, people yeah, have yeah, died. Yeah. People are born. You yep. know, no one really knows. You know, oh, that stripe on the side, yep. that didn't, that's not how it came from the factory. You know, it'd be like, you, you think yep. about your car and you think about how they'd be picking it out. And it's like, well, that doesn't make it a bad example. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, you put a, yeah, a IPD exactly. plenum in there and it didn't have an IPD plenum, but does that make it a bad example? No, it doesn't. No, no. Oh, that yeah. exhaust. The exhaust then wasn't black. Yeah. What is that exhaust? This exhaust is painted black. This exhaust has a modification to it. That's not the original exhaust. That's an aftermarket exhaust. Yeah. Is that a problem? It's a Fister exhaust on the 907. Yeah. No, it's not. I So I guess I kind of get it if you're talking about like a McLaren F1 where there's, you know, a couple of hundred of those sort of in the world sort of thing. So you want like them to be as they kind of came because there's so few of them. But when you're talking about cars made in the thousands, it's like, oh, whatever. Does it matter? <laughs> whatever. <laughs> no, yeah. That's what yeah. I'm going to put in the comments to Dr. 914. I'm going to go, whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Can you put, yeah, whatever? Hey, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> talking about that, let's just, I want to go on to the, the thing you told me you put in the notes and we're talking about before we started recording. I want to talk about the 996 headlights. Mm. Tell the listeners what you, what you were saying to me earlier because I think it's I think it's oh, quite okay. interesting. It's quite funny. Uh, so like um, we share like just a kind of Apple notes um, and for these kind of weekly podcasts, we just like, you know, if we sort of see something interesting, we just sort of jot it down. So like I often just kind of go, oh, that's an interesting thought. 
Anyway, so what I had jotted here was, I don't know what made me kind of think about it, but it's like if the 996 has become all the rage in sort of Porsche culture and circles, like people are kind of going, no, it doesn't look ugly. Like, you know, we love it. And, you know, there's such a following now. And even there seems to be like a bit of an uprising with um, Boxster 986s, which obviously share the exact same front end. So at one point in time, the most polarizing thing about that was the fried egg headlights. But now all of a sudden everybody's going, oh, actually we don't hate them as much as like we kind of thought and we kind of quite like it, blah, blah, blah. I was just kind of pondering <laughs> this weird thought that I wonder like, you know, like call it maybe not the next generation of 911, but call it the 994 or the 995 or something. Um, because these 996s have gotten such a following, it's like, I wonder if Porsche would ever go back and throw back to like a 996 style headlight. <laughs> so they kind of go, hey, that was such a kind of cool thing from our kind of back catalogue that we're going to do a non-round or oval kind of headlight. And I don't. it's just like come full it, circle. You know what? It's weird, You know what? It? I laugh, but it's like it was a one-off, yeah. right? It was a one-off. It, it, it's rare. Well, because it was such a it's backlash. Rare. So the 996 now, yeah. even though everyone, like you said, hated it, the 996 has that yeah. unique point of difference, which is the headlights, which yeah. no other 911 has, right? So has, the yeah. fact that no 911 has, yes, it's becoming more and more collectible in 996. Look at the GT3 prices. Look at the, those prices first. Look at the Carrera prices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like Matt... Matt in Victoria, who's on Owner Stories, um, I'm not going to say it in the podcast, but he shared the price of his 996. And, you know, it's okay. not super yeah. expensive, but the 996 prices are really getting up there now. You know what I mean? Um, yep. And you know what? It, it could happen, Steve. I laughed when you said that earlier. It it's could just, happen. Yeah. I think I'm partly kind of like it's almost like a bit of sort of a commentary on us as humans because I think we're so easily influenced. Yes. Like, you know, like 906 came out, we all kind of hated it because it was so unfamiliar. Like, you know, our, a 911 had to kind of have like bug headlamps kind of thing. Um, and now all of a sudden like the tables have turned and I'll, I'll admit it, I'm one of them. Like I remember hating the headlights, like really, really hating the headlights now, if you ask me to look at a 996 now, I kind of go, oh, yeah, no, it looks all right. You know, like I don't like the soap bar kind of rounded sort of form of it as much. Uh, I, I dislike that more than I kind of dislike the kind of actual shape of the physical headlights. But because everybody else is now going, oh, no, 996s are really cool, like it's sort of swaying my view of it. And it's all subjective. Like this is just like whether you like the look of it or not. It's not like, but you know, whatever, but it's just really funny yes. how things kind of go in and out and um you know but you you see past the headlights now you don't even it's i look at it mm -hmm. you look at a 996 now and it's not like you look at other things you look at other details other features other design yep. you know points other design things on the car you look past the headlights yep. it's not polarizing um but let's bear in mind like you said with humans you know we like everyone to like like what we like, you know. Do you like it? Do you like it? Yeah. And then, <laughs> it, and then yeah. it's taken what twenty two years. Like, let's be honest, this has happened what in the past couple of years. So let's just say it's taken twenty years yeah. for people to accept the headlights. 
That's what I find crazy. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, you would have seen like um, the designer, Pinky yeah. Lai. Is that yeah. his name? And um, Grant Larson, I think he he was his design chief. Like I've seen quite a few interviews because he was um, the head designer of it and he kind of goes through it and describes it. And I guess um, I'm not in exactly the same sphere, but as a art director, I kind of understand the idea of what you do like aesthetically is um, you kind of try to measure popular culture. You try to kind of do design work that fits in with the time you rationalize it, but like, I'm not, you never are you kind of going, Hey, your taste sucks. And mine is really good, <laughs> you know, like swallow this kind of thing. But it's just quite interesting um, that, you know, it, it, it had, it had its reasons and all of that sort of stuff. It was very kind of adventurous, I guess, for its time and super polarizing. And now, I don't know, it's just kind of come back full circle. I be very interested like if <laughs> if at any point in time like even even you know like with the Porsche unseen um yeah that book and all the kind of uh show car concept things yeah. that they released like you'll know at one point in time if a con- if a Porsche concept car comes out and it's got 996 throwback yeah. style yeah. headlights that it's actually kind of come full circle and all of a sudden like it's like it, it's now and cool to have everything Friday does headlights. fashion design yeah. everything comes full circle so i think you're right hey um yeah. steve do you have a recommendation this week i was like struggling to get one actually i hadn't really thought about it do you have a recommendation um yeah i do do you want to talk about <laughs> do we want to talk about oh we haven't <laughs> actually yeah let's let's talk about that let's talk about so steve got his knobs okay. delivered well, that, that'll be my recommendation and let me just let me just say that i haven't uh posted your knobs on any social media, your new one. Um, I was going to share okay. it with the um, Discord community. I just want to do a quick. Uh, I just yeah, want to do a quick spiel about that, Steve. Um, Porsche Cooled yep. is on Discord. Discord is like a, a chat. We just call it a chat place to chat about all things Porsche. Um, I think there's 24 mm. or 25. Maybe there's more now members. I notice there's a lot of chatter going on there. Mm. I go in there every now and again. I know Steve hasn't. I know Marco's in there. Marco's been posting things. Uh, Stephen from Hi. Sydney, 66912, he's been going in there posting things. Um, so people are joining. If you want to join Discord, uh, join Porsche Good on Discord, the invitation link is in the uh, YouTube video of this podcast. I put it in the, in the description. It's not in the podcast description. If you can't find it, just send me a DM on Instagram, Porsche Cooled. Uh, just send me a DM and I will send you an invite link. Um, Steve, mm-hmm. tell everyone about your knobs that got delivered. <laughs> oh dear, how long have you got? Short, um, quick. So I ordered the things from uh, Lathworks, and uh, there's a really nice dude, Chris. Like massive props to him. He's um, his uh, craftsmanship in terms of he basically machines like rods and. Uh, gear knobs out of mainly steel and titanium. I ordered one of them uh, with a black kind of po- copolymer um, knob uh, that you've heard us talk about over and over again. Um, uh, admittedly, Chris was obviously super busy, but I finally got mine, finally got delivered. Um, took him a little while to kind of make the orders because I think he's really busy. At the last minute, I kind of threw in a wooden knob, um, received it, and they're brilliant. They're really, really good. So 
if you're looking for um, shifters um, for your Porsche, go check out Lathworks. Yeah. Um, you can customize pretty much most things. Like um, he's kind of got one there, which is um, for, um, it's called like a flat bar shifter, which is like a, on a 906 and 907 when you take the knob off, like there's a sort of rectangular um rod there and then this thing slides over the top with and then you kind of just secure it with a couple of um screws um so the craftsmanship etc is every bit as good as i thought that it kind of might be after seeing a lot of his kind of instagram posts and all of that um do you want me to explain what i did well <laughs> i just want to talk about the black one first um and you go. You go. If any of the listeners want to know exactly what I will post, if you don't mind, Steve, I'll post your photo. Um, I'll post yeah, your photo go. probably on go Discord. I might post it on Instagram. Yeah, just yeah on but Discord. if anyone wants yeah. to know the, the, the specs of that, um, you know what? I'll. I don't know if I can do that. Maybe I'll t- post a screenshot because I know what Steve ordered. I'll post the specs so you guys know exactly what Steve ordered. Steve ordered it, it a little bit shorter. He ordered it an inch shorter, which is about uh, 25, uh, 25 millimeters shorter. Um, Steve, you said that yep. was a little bit too short and it should be about 20 millimeters, which I think is 0.8 of an inch. Point eighth of an inch around about. Because yeah, yeah. Marco, I just want to tell the listeners and tell you very quickly, Marco um, is going to place an order. Order, Marco is on owner story, Steve's cousin. Um, he, yeah. I'm going to tap onto his order. He was telling me last night on Instagram, I think he was going to order it. So he was going to order it even shorter than that. And I think it's going to be too short. So I don't know whether you've spoken oh, to he? him. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. He mentioned that he was maybe going to go an inch and a half. Um all I did was I tried to kind of measure it all up and then kind of get it pretty much the same height as my standard sort of shifter. It's a little bit hard to kind of figure out because um, bits of the bottom color, like I've got it in front of me so I can talk to you at least, this part of the bottom color gets hidden by the kind of gator. So it's hard to kind of then measure the full height of the whole thing. And that's what I was trying to so, do. And then also because like if yeah. you look at this, there's a... There's a stainless bit yeah. of rod, right? And then you screw the kind of gear knob on top. The black copolymer thing then has like a little bit of black underneath right. it. So it makes this kind of silver bit look a bit stumpy when you shorten it because there's a little bit of black underneath oh, okay. it. So the proportions look a little bit kind of funny. But all in all, I got the height right because when you kind of literally lay this next to like a standard one or my um, my one from Joel like via Carbone, um, it's pretty much the right height. Like I, I think I'd probably kind of spec it maybe five. If you wanted it to be exact, make it 20 mil shorter, not 25 mil shorter. Like So it's about, yeah, and I, I put that in the converter, it's about 0.8 of an inch shorter. Yeah. So you wouldn't recommend yeah. getting the standard size that he makes? Um, in my opinion, it's too tall. Like it looks like it would sit too, too high up. Um, and I was saying what, this to Marco. And what I, does he say about that though when you told him that? Does he think he needs to adjust it? I didn't say anything to him. No, no, no. I'd, like, because he machines it from, you know, like a solid bit of um, steel, like he'll do whatever you want. You can make it as long or tall as um, as you want to. Like, I don't think he had an opinion of it because he's not like necessarily just like a Porsche right. kind of specialist. Like he, he'll he make, um, 
shifters for pretty much like most cars when you jump on his website. So I don't think he's a necessarily like a, you know, one mark kind of um, sort of. Uh, but you supplier. would say get it 20 mil shorter. I think so. Yep. Like I'm happy with my one inch shorter. Like the difference between yeah. the extra five mil is neither here nor there. Like, yeah. you know, gonna, I'm going to get, I'm going to get the black polymer. I'm going to get the laser cut in white like yours. Um, I, Look, I'll be honest. I like your wood one. I like the shape of it when you showed me. I don't know if cool. the wood one from from Lathworks looks better than the one from Joel. In some ways, it's I like different. the carbon one better. In my, it, just me, just for me. Yeah, yeah, and it's all subjective. Like, um, I love how we're talking about my knobs. <laughs> um, yeah, like, um, like here's the. Um, Sorry, I've got it in front of me so I can show Michael. It's very on, nice. It's very, very Zoom. nice. Beautiful quality. Uh, one question because I think I know you sort of had this question and it was something I was thinking about too. Like it's black plastic, right? Code polymer is code for, I'm assuming, plastic or, but it's an special or something plastic. like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I guess I was sort of wondering whether or not it would look a little bit sort of cheap, you know, like really opaque yep. kind of like plastic in feel. Um, to touch and to look at. No, it kind of almost looks a little bit like um, satin um, metal almost. It's kind of got that feel to it. So it's actually... That's what I liked about it, yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's nicer than it sounds. Um, so, like, don't be scared. Like, in the the quality of the um, engraving and the markings and yeah. all that sort of stuff um, looks, and, looks and really good. And you look, good. it's about... So, yeah, sorry, Steve. It's about 200 bucks, right? 200 US, something like that. I have to say, I really did. I was tempted by the stainless steel one, the full the stainless steel knob. There's something yeah. really nice about that. Yeah. I'm still in two minds though. I, I think I'll get the black black polymer, pass. but the stainless steel is something I don't know. I kind of like it, and I think it would work in my car. Get both. Just get both. <laughs> I got no money. Got no money. No, and I'm actually kind of being dead serious because if you kind of get both, like all you've got to do is unscrew, you know, one and then screw the other one on if you're kind of really mm, going down Tasha, the path. My wife will think I'm going crazy. She'll think it'd be you yeah, bad influence, whatever. Steve. Nobs for everyone. <laughs> that's a good recommendation. So that's, uh, what is the website? We've already said it a thousand times before, laveworks.com. Laveworks. Yep, check it out. Um, but yep. I will post that on the Discord with the uh, details that Steve uh, ordered. The only one I have this week is someone I've spoken about a little bit on the podcast, mm. and I thought I should give it as a recommendation because he does do really good work, and mm. that is, uh, if you're in the UK, that's Linas or Linas at Design LS, Steve, as you know. Yep, yep. Um, Steve got me onto this guy. Steve found him somehow. I don't know how. Um, he does all the leather parts. For I think it was Sorry? Instagram. I think it was Instagram. Was it? Yeah, I think I just came across his work on Instagram. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you've heard me talk about um, my leather parts before. Um, if you want really good quality leather parts, I mean, like I said, Linas, uh, designer less makes for Porsche centers as well and Porsche, you know, Porsche specialists, I think. Um, but it's, it's, it's a good place to get, you know, any type of leather part for your um, Porsche 911. Check that out. It's just a, a quick mm -hmm. recommendation, a quick uh, shout out to Design LS. Uh, the website is designls.co.uk. Um, all right, Steve, anything else? I think we might end it. Uh, oh, really? How far are we? We're actually just over an hour, so I think that's good for today.
Yeah, you're having audio issues too, so it's probably a good time to kind of um, pack it up. Yeah, yeah, just call it quits. All good. Yep, I can't stand it anymore. Okay, thanks, mate. All good, mate. Have a good week. Hope um, hope work doesn't stress you out too much. Hope the MG doesn't stress you out too much. Uh, the MG's fine. It's fine. It, it gets us around. That's the main thing. It's a public holiday here in Bahrain anyway for the next two days. Um, doesn't make any difference for us. Um, we're still working anyway. Yeah, right. But I have to say um, um, I'm really enjoying the heat, you know, the 40-odd degree heat. It's actually uh, really, really enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll take your word for it. All right. Thanks, mate. Talk soon. Cheers, mate. All right, everyone. Uh, that's Steve coming in from Sydney, Australia. My name is Michael Bath. I'm in Bahrain. And that's it for the Porsche Cool podcast today. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. <laughs>